Hello, and welcome to episode 43 of Public Interest Podcast with your host, Jordan Cooper, where we interview politicians, activists, advocates, and others who seek to improve the state of the world. We're here today with Jen Burnham, an intermediate care nurse in a Baltimore City hospital. She is also a vaccine safety advocate. How are you doing today, Jen? Good. How are you? Excellent. So the first question I'd like to ask you is what are you currently doing or what have you ever done to advance the public interest and why? Um, so right now, I will say that's a good question, um, because after um, entering motherhood, I feel like you get caught up in the daily life of making lunch and then doing dishes and then doing laundry and then doing breakfast. So I feel like sometimes you struggle with, you know, getting involved in the world and speaking out as much as you'd like to help. So Mm -hmm. since I still have the luxury of, you know, going to work, um, I kind of break free of that cycle sometimes and I get to think about things I want to do and one of them is um, I'd like to get involved. I've kind of spoken to a few different people about this and I haven't started it but I was inspired by a patient. Um, I'd like to help families like a nonprofit, you know, families of disabled children, you know, not like right when they find out like right after birth when they kind of Mm -hmm. have this new life that's brought into the world and they don't know, you know, where to go from here, where to get the help, um, what government um, agencies give grants or, you know, things like that. I'd like to help network with them and connect them Mm -hmm. with other families um, so they don't feel so helpless, you know, in the beginning stages of starting their family. Um, That's one that I've thought about. So, you know, uh, you've become a little bit active in uh, vaccine advocacy, uh, and you have a certain opinion and stance about it. Could you tell me a little bit about how you came to arrive at this stance, why you began uh, advocating for certain issues, and what the connection is between your advocacy stance and becoming a mother and having your own children who potentially are receiving vaccines? Um, so I've always been had a little bit of a... Uh, holistic mentality as a person, um, you know, instead of going to the store and getting cough syrup, I'm like, well, what can I do, you know, vitamin C, you know, different things, you know, drink a lot of soup, fluids, um, and after having kids, I guess since I, since I have that mentality, and I also, I'm the type of person that more errs on the side of caution, so I think having that type of personality, then having children, I, you know, I've I've heard some negative things. I've had people ask, like, what are your thoughts on vaccines? And I feel like since there's that question around the safety, you know, Mm -hmm. I started reaching out to, um, you know, people that, you know, feel one way or another. First, I posted something on my Facebook page, and I will say the majority of people are like, please vaccinate. You know, they save lives. And, you know, everyone, I just posted posted on my general Facebook page, and I didn't know it was such a a heated topic, actually. I just Mm -hmm. asked, like, casually and I even had people like get like not hostile but you know intense about answering the my you know my new mother questions mm-hmm. um and I've discussed it with the doctors and then you know I've, I've reached out through um social media to some Facebook groups and there's there's lots of you know vaccine safety groups where hundreds of parents of children with adverse reactions mm-hmm. um are now living with permanently disabled children um some where the doctors have correlated it to vaccines and some who've never gotten that, um, I guess, diagnosis. Um, mm-hmm. So I just feel like being the type of person that always questions things and, you know, once mm-hmm. you 
have children and they're the loves of your life. And if, if even if there's a small chance of something harming them, it's like I I researched the diseases and mm-hmm. you know a lot of people who have um, a lot of people who have adverse reactions to the measles mm-hmm. are vitamin A deficient. Well, you know, so make sure you have a healthy diet, plenty of you know foods that have vitamin A, and if you've got measles, you should be fine. So I started researching about the diseases themselves, and mm-hmm. you know if I should actually fear them as much as I do. Like my my father said he and his all of his siblings had measles, mumps, and rubella, which is one of the main vaccines people are nervous giving their children. So I just, um, I also think in medicine, most things are not one size fits all. Most most things are weight-based. It depends on, you know, different other conditions you have underlying in vaccines. You know, you can be a premature four-pound baby getting the same dose, the same amount of vaccine, Mm -hmm. or you can be a full-term, you know, 10-pound baby. So I just, I also think there's things that from being in medicine don't Mm -hmm. make sense to me. I don't think it should be a one-size-fits-all model. And I think children, um, some children get eight in one visit. So one of them's like a three-in-one vaccine. So, you know, it's five shots, but it's eight different things they're getting a vaccine for and there actually has never been um any type of studies done linked like having the safety of all of those vaccines at one time being given there's not a single safety study i want to follow up with what you're saying just now which it sounds like is very interesting that you are a healthcare provider who has been trained to become a nurse, you work in a hospital, and typically the public health stance is vaccinate, 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 and, uh, and, and save lives. And it's interesting that being a public health professional, you actually fear the adverse consequences of a vaccine gone bad more than you fear your child getting the disease itself. Is that correct? Um, at this point, yes. Um, I also feel like I focus on health and wellness in our house. Like we eat a lot of, we grow a lot of our own, well, we grow some of our own vegetables. Um, we buy from local farmers markets. We get out and get plenty of vitamin D and sunshine. And I try to focus on keeping them as healthy and active as possible. Um, and so I feel like that would help their immune systems. Um, I also feel like bringing God into it, I, I believe in God, and I feel that God gave us our immune systems mm-hmm. to work. And if they're working properly, we can fight these diseases. I also think um, when you get a disease, you have your whole immune reaction. You know, you breathe in your nose, your lungs, like your entire mm-hmm. body is in effect where vaccines you you inject directly into the bloodstream. So you're bypassing you know, the majority of the immune system by directly injecting. Um, so, so I feel like I bring in a lot of different things. What I know in medicine, my you know, how I am as a person, my, my faith in God. So there's a lot of different things that I, I bring into it. So there's a – so it seems like a lot of your decisions to vaccinate your own children are, from your perspective, uh, taking into account primarily the well-being of your own children. There's yes. a term in public health for our listeners who may not know what this means. It's called herd immunity. And a herd immunity means um, basically 
if you have a significantly large proportion of the population inoculated against a disease than someone who is not inoculated. Inoculate means to be vaccinated. Someone who's not inoculated will be very unlikely to get the disease because the disease cannot be transmitted from person to person because there's too many people who are immunized. However, if you decrease herd immunity, then what happens is you start having increased capabilities of person-person transmission. So my question to you, Jen, is especially coming from a healthcare background, what do you think about the effect of your decision on the well-being of other children and or and does that matter to you? And then, you know, from your background and your education perspective, what do you think your professors or your colleagues would say to you in your position? Is this a position that you hold? Is that widely held among your colleagues? So just to recapitulate the two questions, one, what do you think the effect of your decision on your children is on herd immunity for the broader population? And two, how is your stance uh, um, against vaccines uh, perceived by your colleagues? Are there others in your field who similar, feel similarly to you? Um, yes. So in regards to herd immunity, so a vaccine doesn't guarantee immunity. So really, my I could vaccinate my children, and their immune react, response doesn't actually, you know, make them have the correct reaction to put antibodies in their system, which makes them immune. So Really, after you give each kid a vaccine, there's no guarantee of anything. And, you know, they can do studies to say X percentage, you know, amount of people are now immune to it. But, I mean, after each kid gets a vaccine, you don't know. You just walk away thinking, I mean, some people had no clue when I told them that. And that's actually a fact. You can ask your doctor that. Um, so I feel like you're, you're putting your children in, at a risk and they might not even have the right immune response. Um, also there's, there's literature saying that, you know, your babies don't have a full immune system until I think it's like one year of age. Don't quote me on that. So, you know, maybe we should start vaccinating at the age of one because before that their immune system isn't, you know, working at the same level as once they hit one. So maybe they're not having the same immune response. Um, so just my to biggest jump problem, in. Well, I just want to jump in there right real quickly before we hit your biggest problem, which is um, would you do you have a different opinion about adult vaccination than you do about pediatric vaccination? Um, well, I think I, I haven't gotten too much into adult. Like I'm thinking back and I've only had to get adult vaccinations before having kids and nursing school and becoming a nurse. So I don't know what the standard like flu is vaccine, for the adult. For I know the would you flu, ever I mean, or would your friends get flu vaccine? Um, the flu vaccine, so that also goes into the hospital. So I don't get the flu vaccine. So I sign a waiver, I give it to my hospital, and I wear a mask during flu season. There's plenty of other staff members that do the same. And across the country, there's a lot of nurses that post on Facebook. Um, some nurses have lost their job because they refuse to do this. And some hospitals don't offer the option to wear a mask. So it is kind of um, a more recognized thing across the country it's not just like me as a person um mm -hmm. so i don't think it's frowned upon i have other nurses that i work with that wear a mask i know a pharmacist that wears a mask there's respiratory therapists so i mean there's a lot of people there's doctors there's a lot of people trained i mean i will say the majority get it yes um so the second part um, of the previous but back question to the herd immunity um there's yeah. another thing where um there's 
so some vi- some vaccines you give have live viruses in them. Okay, so mm-hmm. if you go to Johns Hopkins and before you enter, you know, the, the cancer ward, it'll say anyone who's recently got a live virus vaccine should not visit these patients because they're immunocompromised because vaccines can shed. And these um, live viruses are attenuated, right, which for our listeners means weakened. Right. So so basically since someone with cancer is immunocompromised, they shouldn't be around someone who's recently been vaccinated with a live virus. I'll give you an example of one is the MMR, which is measles, mumps, and rubella. So mm-hmm. if I just got the MMR vaccine, I should not go visit a patient with who has cancer right now who's hospitalized when their immune system is down. So the theory is that the virus can shed, and I can actually give them measles, mumps, and rubella. So that kind of also makes me question, well, okay, so herd immunity, we're all supposed to get this, but for a period of time, we can be active carriers. So if you look at it, in in some of these areas where there's been breakouts of, you know, measles and mumps, or measles, um, a lot of them are vaccinated. So, I mean, I I don't think... I don't, I think there's, I think there's a problem with the system. I don't think, um, maybe some people, you know, there's not as many people getting vaccinated. Maybe the vaccines are only, you know, they're saying that now you might need more boosters. They're not giving mm-hmm. the effect for as long as they thought. So I just think there's a lot of problems with a vaccine isn't really guaranteeing anything. And, and th- there's the safety is not, you know, not there for me as a parent. So I feel like if they could focus on, making them safer, right. seeing, you know, a higher percentage of immunity, maybe spreading them out, not giving eight in one visit, I think everyone would come together and feel that they're, they're, they're safer. Um, so those are some of the things that you know, I mm-hmm. guess how I feel about that. Um, and you, I also you said think, earlier, you, you said earlier that you had a big problem or, or a big thing I wanted to just give you a chance to speak I think to I it. lost track. I was trying to think. I um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I'm not sure what I was going That's to okay. Say. So, and we were also talking about your colleagues and how they react. Potentially, I'll, I'll add this to that question, which is, again, how, how, how do um, basically your professors or your colleagues or others um, react to the idea of vaccination? Are they generally in favor of it or against it? And then um, why do you think it's 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 why do you think this is the case that vaccination is so widely accepted if you have so many doubts? Why do you think the institution um, of so I um I think most people accept it. Um, mm-hmm. I think they strongly agree with it. Most people I work with, but there are people that I I work with that don't get the flu shot. We all wear masks. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anyone like looks at me and they're like, oh my God, that's the one nurse that didn't get her shot. So I don't think mm-hmm. it's, you know, necessarily frowned upon. Also, I mean, the CDC came out last year saying, so for our listeners, dozens, CD, for our listeners, uh, CDC is Center Centers for Disease, Disease Control. Control. So they pretty much, you know, regulate and, and, and do, and make the child immunization schedule and all of that. So they, um, they basically predict the, the, the strain of flu that they think will, hit our country um, each year, and I don't even know if there's hundreds of strains or dozens of strains, but there's there there's a lot of strains, and they predict, you know, I think a small number and put it into a vaccine. So it's an educated guess. So last year, I think the, um, the prediction, I think it was only maybe four, in the 40s, 
40% effective, 45. So, I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. even, it was basically not that effective. It wasn't, they didn't predict the right strains. So, I mean, some physicians, you know, I think did think it was like, well, there's no point in getting it. It's not that effective. It's silly. You know, they, there are risks in getting it. I mean, and, and that's a lot, a lot of things. Um, I, if you, if you go to the doctor, any vaccine you get, they give you a printout sheet from the CDC that lists some minor risks. But the actual package insert that comes in the manufacturer's little, you know, box or package that mm-hmm. it comes in, those are all the risks. All the risks, all of the fears that I have, that's all listed there. It's not made yeah. up. Um, no one sees that. I mean, I think if every parent was handed those and said, go home and read these, Mm-hmm. Um, these are the vaccines your kids will get. Um, just look at all the risk factors and, and, and come back tomorrow and we'll be giving all of these. I guarantee that number would change. I just think I've done my homework. I, I also have friends with kids who are like, don't even tell me any of this. I don't want to question my doctor. I'm too scared to do it. I'm just going to, I just, I'm going to put faith in my doctor and I'm just going to do it. Like some people, I think, are, are scared of having doubts in the system so they don't want to even ask questions or get educated, and I feel like knowledge is power, um, and I just have a different outlook. Like, I have one friend who's like, don't tell me anything about vaccines. I don't want to freak out about giving them. I don't want to know anything about it. I'm so just what, the doctor. So what are you advocating for, Jen? I know you've had some interest in pieces of legislation that have been proposed in the Maryland General Assembly. What is it that you want to see done in law? Um, I'd like to see... Um, well, first, I'd like to – so um, drug companies no longer are, like, liable for any anything happening, any reactions. Um, I don't know the exact um, bill that was passed, but mm-hmm. basically they have no liability for any damages done to vaccines. There's, there's a special court. I think there was too many lawsuits, too many things going on, so, so they got kind of dismissed for any – any ties to any, you know, lawsuits or anything like that. So I just feel like there's no incentive for them to really worry about making vaccines safer because they don't, I mean, what's the incentive? If, if they so you'd like criminal or I, civil like liability? Or... Accountable. I mean, there's no drug on the market that the drug company, you know, can have no repercussions if something happens. Right. Um, so I, I just think that's crazy. I, I can't believe that exists. Um, I'd like to see okay. studies. There... Uh, I'd like to see safety studies showing the safety of giving all of those vaccines together. Um, I'd also, I mean, oh, if you just want to generalize it, I think I'd like to see safety studies um, from not the pharmaceutical companies. I, I just don't think that the there's motivation to make them safer, and I don't think that, I think there's biased studies. Okay, and then I'd like to bring on conversation a little bit um, back to the idea of God. You said that your spirituality plays a role in your belief system. Can you speak a little bit about what you believe and how that influences your stance on vaccines? Um, so I feel like God created, you know, I just, I just feel like even pregnancy and how everything happens and, and delivering a baby and, and then you bounce back and you're normal. Like everything is just so intricate and perfect. And it works um, with such flow, and, and it's beautiful. And I just feel like, you know, God created everything to work 
like like our immune system. Okay, so he created an immune system, and I feel like it, it's working. If it's working properly, you know, we shouldn't get sicker. When we get sick, we should be able to fight it off, and then our immune system is stronger. So I have faith mm-hmm. in that immune system that God gave us to get a disease and then move on and have lifetime immunity instead of having to get a vaccine every couple of years. I mean, and here's another thing. As a nurse, oh, I have a, 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 so many, it's an elderly population usually um, on my unit, and I have pretty much most of our patients have all gotten the pneumonia vaccine. You're supposed to get it, I think, over the age of 55 once every five years, and, and they're all in for pneumonia. You get the, the vaccine, and then, you know, the next month they have pneumonia, the month before, the year later. Um, I just don't feel that it has helped, you know, that many people preventing pneumonia. Hmm. Um, it must yeah, be very no, frustrating think, for you. Um, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's just, it's scary to me more than frustrating. Um, so I. Now, do you think. It, now, on the, on the topic of just shifting away from vaccines, just the medicine a little bit to understand your point of view, if God gave us an immune system, is it worthwhile to prescribe medication for anything? Um, well, I think that um, our society has gotten away from, I mean, we have, we have GMO food, kids are getting fast food. For so I think GMO is I think that genetically we, modified organism. Yes. Um, so I just I do think as a society we have gotten away from our roots for what we're intended to eat and how to stay healthy. So we are a sicker and sicker society. Um, mm-hmm. So right now I feel like they need medications because everyone's sick. Um, and I feel like you can't just take away medications and be like go home and live your life and, and then you're eating McDonald's, you're eating fast food, you're eating potato chips. You're eating genetically modified food. You know what I mean? So I feel like if we could start growing our own food and mm-hmm. getting rid of pesticides and promoting things um, that holistically, you know, exercising, all the things that make you a healthier person, all the things you can do to benefit yourself um, and your mm-hmm. families, if we could implement that and teach that, then you could slowly start to wean out some of these medications, but you can't just send them home with nothing because they're not going to stay healthy because their immune system isn't working because it's not being fed. It's like putting bad oil into a car and expecting it to run for as long as possible. Um, we're not so, we're not even changing the oil. So as we move towards the end of this podcast, I'd like to ask you a final question. Um, looking over the course of your life um and especially you know as a nurse and as a young mother and as an advocate for vaccine reform why do you think what motivates you why do you do what you do why do you try to improve the world for others um well i i feel like for me it's always feels good like sometimes i'm like well if I, you know when i do something nice for another person it actually makes me feel really good. So it's like it might make them feel really good, but that actually what makes me feel good as a person. Um, so I've always felt good doing things for other people. Um, and then after having kids, I feel like it's scary thinking we can leave a world to them with all these puzzles. You know, I don't want 
them to have to stress about things like should they give their kids vaccines if they're safe or not or you know i'd like to resolve issues for them and make things you know this place better for them um i guess those are my motivating factors um it always has felt better to me to be a kind person and to help others and since having kids i don't want you know i know that there are families out there who have had children who have had adverse reactions to vaccines and I feel like it would break my heart to to not share the information with someone and something bad happens or or knowing you know I could help prevent something so that has been Jen Burnham a nurse an advocate for vaccine safety who is driven both by spirituality and by compassion to try to make the world safer and better for others, especially uh, vulnerable populations, especially other people's children, her own children, trying to do the best she can to be altruistic and make others' lives a little bit safer. This has been Episode 43 of Public Interest Podcast with your host, Jordan Cooper, where we interview politicians, activists, advocates, and others who seek to improve the state of the world. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next time.